All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, a show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back to review some more of our 1996 main timeline. And just a quick disclaimer before we start the show today, um, I've never exactly been renowned for my audio and production quality, but if the sound on today's show is somewhat different to normal, I do apologize. Um... Basically, I've been waiting for a cool evening to get back into my office um, where my recording equipment is and record the latest episode of the podcast. But here in Brisbane, we're going through an ungodly heat wave and every night is in the 30s and I don't have air conditioning in my office. So I just keep waiting for a cool night that's not coming anytime soon. So today the house is somewhat empty. I thought I'll try and record out in the living room where we've got some air conditioning where we're planted at the moment and just see if I can get this done, Um, but not as confined, um, much more open area. The dogs are running around. So if the noise um, isn't quite the same as usual, I do apologize, but it's the only way I can get the show recorded right now. All right, with all that out of the way, we are today looking at the November 11th, 96 episodes of Raw and Nitro. Raw is about a week away from the 1996 Survivor Series, and WCW are a few weeks away from World War Three 1996, so we're sort of heading into pay-per-view territory now, but not quite there. I'll watch Raw first, so that's where we're going to head over first and see what Raw's got to offer, coming on the back of the madness of Brian Pillman and Steve Austin last episode. Kicking off Monday Night Raw tonight. Yes, the Bulldog and Owen Hart defending the Tag Team Championship against the Tag Team Combination. Uh, well, Psycho Sid yeah. along with the WWF Champion Shawn Michaels. I don't even know how you can call them a combination, McMahon. This Sunday night they're yeah, going to be going at each other's throats. Tonight they're going to be partners. I don't think so. Well, they have had their problems in the past. We're taking back to three weeks ago. Of course, it was Sid against Owen Hart. Who comes oh. into the ring right after that? The British Bulldog, ladies and gentlemen. Watch this. The Bulldog almost oh. took Sid's head off. Who arrives on the scene to help out? None other than the WWF champion, Shawn Michaels. But was his action appreciated by Psycho Sid? No, because Psycho Sid knows the truth. Shawn Michaels was not there to help Sid. He was there to steal the spotlight, and Sid set him straight. And then again, it was just two weeks ago. It was Shawn Michaels against the British Bulldog. What a melee. These two having a tremendous pass, no doubt about that. Loading up, ladies and gentlemen, for a little sweet chin music. Who comes off headset? Oh, yeah. Owen Hart. And then from there, look at this. Hanging on to the ankle. Setting up Michaels. Bulldog right there, disqualified, justifiably so. From there, the pummeling was on. And then Sid shows up to help out. Was he really trying to help out Shawn Michaels? Sure he's trying to help. Watch this. Look at that elbow. Squirrely in the back. Was that intentional or not? Well, I guess. Michaels thinks so. Yeah. And then, well, of course, it was just last week, ladies and gentlemen. We thought tippers were going to explode there. No doubt about it. They were face-to-face and Sid had just shoved Jose. So there you go. Heard it <laughs> as I knocked the microphone off my lounge right away. Um, there you heard it, Vince and the King run down some of the issues with Sean and Sid. Um, the intros take a while, the ring introductions, because we're talking this all the way through. Um, 
one of the first things I wrote down watching this is they were doing the feuding singles guys go after the tag belts way back in 1997. They still do it now. This is a, a trope that definitely needs retiring for a little while. When we get in the ring, Owen Hart jumps Sid early, but he no-sells and Owen Hart is sent packing. Um, Sid is really dominating Owen Hart early. HBK comes in with a top rope axe handle and a monkey flip. Vince McMahon hits us with about six notwithstandings. We go to a commercial. When we come back, Sean hits an arm drag, a pair of them actually. And then the Bulldog comes back with a delayed vertical on Sid, which is frigging impressive. An inverted atomic drop by Owen and a knee lift. A top rope crossbody. Heels get the beat down on Sean for a while as we go to another commercial break. When we come back, we're hearing about Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin in a hype video. Back in the ring, we've got an Owen Hart spin kick for a two, a low blow from the Bulldog, and then Sean gets a hot tag to Sid. A big choke slam, and then HBK comes in and goes for chin music on the Bulldog, but misses, catches Sid. The Bulldog picks up the pin for the one, two, three, and the heels leave the baby faces laying in the middle of the ring as we exit the match and go out to another ad break. When we come back, we're on the superstar line with Doc Hendricks. He shows us a replay of what just went on. We then kick over to Kevin Kelly backstage, who tells us it's absolute madness with Sean and Sid needing to be separated by officials. And we go into the Survivor Series report by Doc Hendricks. Um, These reports, obviously not seeing weekly TV in Australia in the mid to late 90s, didn't realize they went this long. I only really remember the um, Royal Rumble reports and whatnot with Mean Gene Oakland in the very early 90s. We go to our next contest, which is Mankind taking on Freddie Joe Floyd. Mankind with a big boot before Freddie Joe comes back with some fists and a spin kick. Mankind then gets the advantage and starts to beat down, including a running knee in the corner, a pulling pile driver, and then finishes him off with the mandible claw. After the match, Paul Bearer and Mankind are in the ring, and we see a dummy of Paul Bearer inside a shark cage being lowered from the ceiling, and The Undertaker cuts a promo over the PA, which I'll splice in for you right about now. Wait a minute. Come on, McMahon. Give me that, give me that flashlight. The presence of The Undertaker felt here tonight on Monday Night Raw. Oh, look, look, look. look at this. Look at this. Exactly what's likely to happen to Paul Barrett. This is not right, McMahon. This is psychological warfare, and it's unfair. Say hello to these poor, foolish souls. For this sudden. The new age of darkness begins. At the Survivor Series, the only thing to expect is the unexpected. And for you, Mr. Bear, you take a long, hard look. This is only the beginning of your torment and your torture. Look at this. 
After the segment with The Undertaker at the end of the match there, we go into a package for the Hall of Fame, and we hear that the Valiant Brothers, Killer Kowalski, will be going in, and then we go from that to a Rocky Maivia training video. Um, he'll be making his debut at the Survivor Series, and we go out to another commercial break. When we come back, Kevin Kelly is with Sid. Um, he does a great Sid whisper to shout promo. Um, absolutely brilliant. Then we get a promo from Austin on Bob Holly. Um, he'll be taking on Bob Holly tonight and then Bret Hart at Survivor Series. He says he's going to go to Bret Hart's locker room after the match with Bob Holly tonight as well. We go to another break, and when we come back, it's time for the Milton Bradley Karate Fighters Tournament. Sable will be taking on Doc Hendricks, and Sable picks up the victory. Kevin Kelly's then with Shawn Michaels, who does a, a shouty promo, um, throwing a bit of a slight Bret Hart dig in there along the way. It's then time for our main event, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bob Holly. JR joins the commentary team for the main event. We get a shoulder block from Stone Cold early, and Bret Hart's watching on the monitor. A snapmare from Austin and a stun gun. We're told that Austin vs. Vader will happen next week, and JR... Sorry, JR tells us that that will be happening. We get a second rope elbow from... Us, a second rope elbow for a two from Austin. We go to a commercial. When we come back, it's another hype video for Austin and Brett. A Thez press, a clothesline, and the Stone Cold Stunner for the one, two, three. And Austin picks up the win as we go out to another break. When we come back, Austin is heading towards Bret Hart's locker room, but does not enter, cuts a promo outside the door, and it seems to be that the WWF has very quickly realized Austin is the hot hand in the Federation, and even though Sid and Michaels are for the belt, Austin is very much the one they're putting a lot of the spotlight on, and I think that's a good thing. Interestingly, though, that we're all about Austin and Bret, and very little mention of Brian Pillman. Just one week removed, and it seems to be that the WWF are already distancing themselves from that. I know they got a lot of flack from the USA Network back in the day, but this was a very sharp turn, and it's like, yep, yeah, we know we've got something hot with Austin, but maybe let's, you know, put Pillman on ice until the gun thing is settled. So a smart move, perhaps, and Austin's definitely the right one to be going, um, putting the, the company behind. So we'll see how exiting 96 and coming into 97, how strong that backing for Stone Cold stays. Anyway, that will do it for Raw. We're going to head over to Nitro shortly, but before we do, it's time for the halftime break. Now, so why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you prime. It's halftime. All right, so for halftime, I'm not going to focus on one specific thing this week, just a bunch of what's going on um, in my life over here, what I'm watching, and just see if anyone's got any common ground. So the most exciting thing coming up is I'll be heading over to Perth for the Elimination Chamber this month. I've never been to Perth before. I've been in Australia um, 30 years now, I want to say. I've never been to that side of the country, so excited for that and very excited to go see the Chamber, the first ever live pay-per-view in Australia, so definitely keen to be there. I watched the Royal Rumble last week. I pretty much watched the whole show. Um, I started a little bit late so I could fast forward a couple of the segments. I wasn't super interested in Logan Paul and Kevin Owens or the Fatal 4-Way, to be perfectly honest. Both of them seemed like foregone conclusions to me, so I checked in and out throughout the day. But the men's rumble I quite enjoyed, and the women's rumble I thought was fantastic. Easily the best women's rumble to date, and the best match of the card for my money. I... Um, 
genuinely enjoyed the surprises, the twists, the turns, the eliminations. I thought Jade Cargill was fantastic. Jordan Grace was really good. Naomi coming back was a great surprise. Um, and Bailey getting the win was awesome as well. And I like the fact that they didn't do the... Um, down to the final four, everyone scramble to your own corner and get up slowly and stare at each other in this one. It was a bit more organic and natural feeling with very quickly landing on a final three and the three of them all struggling to get each other out at once. Um, I hate to use this word when it comes to wrestling, but felt a little bit more realistic, dare I say. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed that. Outside of the world of wrestling, if you're looking for something to watch and if you do skew towards sort of the true crime genre, something that I really enjoy, then... Boy Swallows Universe, based over here in Brisbane in the 80s, I believe, was a fantastic little series on Netflix just recently. And I think on Amazon Prime, depending on where you are in the world, The Fall, about a serial killer in Belfast. Two really good shows that I've been watching non-wrestling related um, around just getting on with life and being generally very busy. So... That's what's going on over here in my side of the world. If you've checked out any of that stuff, if you're excited for anything coming up that I've talked about, then feel free to tweet my way and we can chat about it. Um, and as always, if you've got any questions or anything you'd like to discuss on the show, please send them my way. All right, no more blabbering on. It's over to Nitro. But tonight we have not seen Sting as of yet. What is going on in this man's mind? I don't know, but we've already searched the rafters. We've had teams of security crews go through every nick and crevice. Sting has not been seen in the building. I mean, we know the man's in limbo, Tony. Maybe he just ran out of all intestinal fortitude. I don't know. Speaking of intestinal fortitude, the question is, we don't think Hulk Hogan has it when it concerns Rowdy Roddy Piper. For the past couple of weeks, as you know, Eric Bischoff, World Championship Wrestling, attempting to sign which would be the match of the decade between the two biggest icons in the sport. It's the match we all want to see, including yourself, Larry, Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper. I'm going to be at ringside if that one is ever signed, but again, all speculation, Tony. Tell you, we have a tremendous program, including a match in the tournament to decide a WCW ladies champion. Some of the superstars from Mexico will be here. And our opening bout tonight is going to be a classic between Jeff Jarrett and a member of the Four Horsemen, Chris Benoit. Do you remember last week? Yeah, what it's going to be is for Jeff Jarrett, a baptism of fire. Steve McMichaels, Chris Benoit. I don't think they're willing to accept him into the fold yet, even though Ric Flair gave him the blessing. Jeff Jarrett has to prove himself. As we showed you last week. All right, as you heard there, we've got Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco talking on Nitro this week to start with. They run down the card, including Jarrett versus Benoit, and they show the promo last week of Jarrett. And we kick off with that match. We get an inset promo from Jeff Jarrett and... Sorry, from Jimmy Hart and Ke Kevin Sullivan, alluding to Chris Benoit and woman... Um, some home wrecking business. It, this is really uncomfortable to talk about. So, and it's a lot of, um, they're alluding to things and not outright saying it. It's very insidery. So I'm not going to go into great detail or splice it in. If you want to watch that, go back and watch it. 
We get some chain wrestling and an arm drag from Jarrett. He struts a good back and forth as we go out to a commercial. We get a slugfest and then Jeff Jarrett with a swinging neck breaker and a vertical suplex. Benoit comes back with some chops and a clothesline. Jeff Jarrett suplexes Benoit to the outside. Sting comes in, hits the Scorpion Death Drop on Jarrett. The commentators sell it as a sneak attack, which is interesting. And then Woman tells Benoit to pick Jeff Jarrett up and help him. Um, Something about, like, not wanting to side with Sting or, or... you know, play that way, which is really weird considering the Horsemen are run by Flair, the dirtiest player in the game. This was all very confusing to me as we go out to another break. When we come back, some guy's at the commentary position and he gets taken away by security, um, but he leaves a videotape with them. Um, Something about if Piper wants... um, If Piper... I'm going to splice it in. I'm really struggling to um, explain this one well here. In the world of sports medicine, the biggest name going is Dr. Ed. Wait a minute. What do we got here? Where were we? I'm sorry. I got a package. I don't know. Is it ticking? No, it's not ticking. Fans, I'm sorry about this. Water's everywhere. It says WCW, take a look at this tape. It played in Europe in 92 and was a hit. In 92? Piper wants Hogan. Play it. You'll see what I mean. Ken McDade. What? Well, Ken, we'll just give it to the truck and maybe try to play it sometime. Nevertheless, the Nature Boy Ric Flair undergoing surgery for the shoulder. He is down in Birmingham. He's been down, been, been down in Birmingham with. Uh, I'm all mixed up now. I don't even know what to say. And there you hear Tony Schiavone getting all muddled over, over his words, just like me, um, talking about Ric Flair rehabbing with Dr. Andrews down in Birmingham, Alabama. And we do go to a clip there. We'll come back to the videotape later on in the show, I'm sure. And we go to our next match in the women's title tournament. Her, uh, sorry, Mela Holsaka taking on Zero with Sonny Ono. Zero no-sells some drop kicks and hits a pair of suplexes and a razor's edge for the 1-2-3 in a squash match. There's no other way to describe that. Gene Oakland is then with DDP. And I'm going to splice this one on. Splice this one in here again. Welcome back to Night Draw after an extended vacation. Mean Gene Okerlund. Gene, good to have you back. Tony, great to be back. I must owe you money. Diamond Dallas Page. It looks to me, now I've been sitting back watching here for the last few weeks, and it looks to me, don't call me stupid either, but it looks to me like you're being courted by the NWO. What are you talking about? Can, can we go back and take a look what has happened recently here on WCW Monday Night Draw? I, I want to just refresh some memories. It certainly looks to me like Hall and Nash, and we know about how far you all go back. Well, everybody knows that Nash and Hall, they both, I was affiliated with them a while ago. Here they are helping you for crying out loud. They're going after one of your opponents. It is clear as day to me and this capacity crowd here in St. Petersburg tonight. First of all, let's get something straight, Gene. DDP doesn't need anybody helping him in the ring today. Because anybody makes one mistake, that's all it takes. Bang! 
diamond cutter. All right, you have now, it. Wait a second. You asked me about Hall and Nash. Yeah, I used to manage Scott Hall, and I used to tag team with Kevin Nash. But that does not make them in a position to be coming into my... Hey, wait, wait a minute here. Gentlemen, I, I think you have your own show. You don't need our time here, certainly. What were you going to say, DDP? What I said was it doesn't put them in a position to be getting in my matches. Are you courting this, man? Hey, yo, Paige. Forget about the past. What you need to think about is the present and the future. Here's your chance to jump on board the Black and White Express. Come on in for the big win, because you, my friend, can be NWO for life. What about that? Pretty attractive offer, some would think, these days. So let me get this straight. You got, uh, you got like seven guys now. I'm number eight, right? Number, number eight? Number eight. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Eight. You don't get it. You obviously don't get it. Everybody, hey, we could have came to you a lot earlier, but we didn't, and there's reasons. Everybody knows that professional wrestling is as political as it gets. And everybody knows that two doors down, shaking and having a party, is your buddy, Eric Bischoff. He lives two houses down from you. There, man, you go in there. Are you trying to tell me I don't deserve everything I'm getting? Is that what you're all about, man? You don't think I didn't bust my butt every day down at that power plant? Wait, wait a minute, guys. Are we missing something here? Yeah, yeah, obviously, you don't get it. Don't get upset. We're not out here trying to, to, to disrespect you in any way. We were looking out for you. Hey, we knew we came in here two desperados, bro. We came in here by ourselves. Yeah. Hollywood Hogan jumped on with us, but it took us a lot to convince him, and that shook up the wrestling world. And with the Hulkster, hey, we knew we were gonna take this place over. But we couldn't come to you, man. You know we're buddies, we couldn't come to you with we're the political- We were looking out for you, man. We were looking out for you. I can see number four, number five, but number five, and number eight. I mean, that's like totally this. Gentlemen, obviously. You don't get it, you're never gonna get it. All right, thank you very much. We gotta sort this one out. Phoenix, hey, you don't get it. Stay. There you've got DDP knocking back the NWO. He's not happy that he's the eighth person being offered. We go out to another commercial. And when we come back, we're here on Saturday night. We're going to see Jim Duggan, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and the amazing French Canadians. Our next matchup is Rey Mysterio taking on Cyclope. We see Sonny Ono sat at ringside with the Ultimo Dragon. Um, and we get no introduction for Cyclope. Rey Mysterio hits us off with a monkey flip and a spinning, a springboard run or a suicide dive. Cyclope with a sunset powerbomb to the floor, which re looked really cool. Dean Malenko comes out on the ramp to watch. We see a flapjack and a DDT off the second rope from Cyclope, a powerbomb for a two and a tombstone. He goes up top, but Rey Mysterio hits him with a dropkick and crutches him. Psychosis comes out and stands behind Dean Malenko, both on the entranceway, and Malenko doesn't notice him at first. We see a top rope head scissor to the floor, crazy, but it's no sold. And then we see a tombstone and a West Coast pop for the three for Ray. 
Malenko finally sees Psychosis behind him and leaves. And the Cruiserweight division is really heating up here with some top-tier talent all sort of vying for that title. We see in the crowd the NWO picketers again. Um, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Six are in the crowd, and they pimp going to some TV awards. Um, they've got a beef with the commentary team, and they tell us that the NWO Nitro is coming as soon as they win the war games as we go out to another commercial. Hour number two, so we get Bischoff, Mike Tanay, and Bobby Heenan. And the next matchup is Scott Norton taking on Lex Luger. We get Arn Anderson on an inset promo during the match. Scott Norton hits us with a backbreaker. We see Sting in the rafters. There's a lot of um, focus being taken away from the ring here again. Lex with a clothesline out, and they brawl along the floor. A big shoulder from Norton as we go to a commercial. When we come back, Norton's working over the arm. A big clothesline and a forearm gets Lex a two. Scott Norton comes off the top, but he misses, and Lex Luger hooks on the rack. It made Luger look strong AF, um, and they really talk him up as one of the favorites for World War III. Gene then goes to interview with Lex. He cuts a promo on Sting and his recent success. Eric Bischoff says we're going to see the video from earlier in the night, and then Lee Marshall is at a Nitro party in in South Carolina. Our next match is the amazing French Canadians taking on Harlem Heat. The Canadians come out with Colonel Robert Parker and Sherry is with Harlem Heat, so those two are very well split. We see um, from Saturday night Harlem Heat cutting off the Colonel. We see Sherry and Harlem Heat deck him and the heels jump and make the save. This has got sort of Mr. Fuji, Powers of Pain, Demolition vibes to it for me or an old WWF kid. We get a double team backdrop from Harlem Heat and a scissor kick from Booker. We see security guards not letting the nasty boys into the arena. Doug Dillinger comes and says, no, they're not welcome. We're in split screen, and then we see that they're um, outside chatting to Beefcake. Sherry gets in the ring, and they brawl on the floor. Um, the, the wrestlers themselves do. No clue what the result is, as we just go out to a commercial with nothing being announced. But with all the focus going away from the ring all through the match, it's not all that surprising. Our next match is Conan taking on Chris Jericho, which has a really hot start. Jericho with a nice spin kick and a clothesline for a two. Nick Patrick's very slow on the count, unfortunately. A springboard drop kick and missing a plancher, Jericho allows Conan to take control for a while. He hits his lovely rolling lariat and a drop kick to the knee and then a powerbomb for a two count. Jericho comes back with a German suplex and a back elbow and a roll-up, getting him a two. Conan drop kicks Jericho into Nick Patrick, and that's enough excuse for Patrick to award the DQ victory to Conan as we go out to commercial. When we come back, it's time for Hoovertude versus Miguel Perez, so of Los Bariquas fame. Sadly, there'll be no WCW gang wars other than the NWO stuff, which we already know about. Um, I just think, like, NWO black and white, NWO Wolfpack... Los Bariquas, oh my god, think of the gang wars, and then the three-way faction just tearing up WCW, and just when you think it's over, enroll the Disciples of Apocalypse. We've really missed a trick here, this could have been amazing. (laughs) Um, We're told that Jericho was pissed off during the commercial break at Nick Patrick. Perez hits a corner clothesline. Um, Oh, I've just realised this is pre-gang wars, <laughs> I'm not post-gang wars, I think, I don't know if I said that just a moment ago, but um, Miguel Perez impressed so much here that he got to lead the gang wars. <laughs> um, I'm all over the shop here today, Hoovy <laughs> misses a drop kick, Russian leg sweep from Perez and a standing moonsault for a two, Hoovy with a springboard drop kick and a top rope dive to the floor. 
He goes for a Hurricane Rana off the barricade, but Perez power bombs him on the floor. That was a sick spot. Perez with a Moonsault from the ring to the floor. Hoovy with a springboard outside DDT, a missile dropkick, a slam, and misses a 450, allowing Perez to roll him up for the 1 2 3. I'm taking the piss out of Miguel Perez here because of all the gang war stuff that I know comes up in a year's time, but he was genuinely impressive in this and he really hung with Hoovy. I can't say at the start of the match I was expecting that to be the case. We then go to Ted and Vincent calling Sting from the crowd and offering him an NWO shirt. And we go into our next match, the Faces of Fear taking on the American Males. The Faces jump them early. Faces of Fear, that is not baby faces. Before the Males come back with a double shoulder block. Bischoff says that the tape is a music video, so we'll see that soon. We get a forearm from Buff and then a double team from the the Faces of Fear, including a powerbomb from Barbarian. Um, We're told the tape will tell us how Piper feels about this match against Hogan. Heels double-team clothesline, and then Buff trips Meng, um, and we see Scotty Riggs miss a drop kick and eat a super kick and get pinned for the 1-2-3. Jimmy Hart gets on the mic and wants to know why the Nasty Boys don't um, have a tag title shot when the Faces of Fear should have it. And then we're going to go and show the tape. Um, we're told it's a Roddy Piper song, um, and then something to do with boxing and it being a love song. I've no idea what the commentators are going on about here, so I'm just going to splice the video in and see if we can make heads or tails of it ourselves. McDade, he said, take a look at this tape. It played in Europe in 1992 and it was a hit. Piper wants Hogan. Play it. You'll see what I mean. We've taken a look at it. Let's see what it has to say. I'm as curious as you are. fear of a copyright strike, I'm going to cut the music there and then I'm going to skip you ahead to the commentary team talking about the music. Well, you saw the copyright, 1992 Sony Music, and i got to tell you, this crowd really reacting there. You know, it was called I'm Your Man, but most importantly, let's see if we can, we've got some freeze frames. You saw that Hollywood Bowl sign. Let's see if we can get it up on the monitor here. Interesting. Look at Piper. He's looking up. And I think, look at his eyes. He's looking at the ultimate bout. Hollywood Bowl sign says it all. Roddy Roddy Piper versus Hulk Hogan. I don't know, guys. Since 92? I have a funny feeling that Roddy Roddy Piper has been thinking about a match 
with Hulk Hogan for a long time. And maybe I, that fan, Kenny McDade, was right. Maybe, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to hitting L.A. tomorrow. I want to come face-to-face -face with Piper. I know Piper. I've been around Piper. I've been beat up by Piper. I know how this man's mind works. This guy was sent here by Piper to play oh, the on. tape to drive Hogan nuts. See here they're making a big fuss about the fact that it says Piper vs. Hogan during the video clip on the marquee. Um, that's what they point out coming after the video. Then Hogan comes out with Ted, Vincent, and the Giant, and a Christmas-themed Liz. He calls for a spotlight, cuts a promo on Piper, rips his shirt and poses, and once again, Nitro finishes with a bit of a cold ending by my count. So, overall, a good show, but just a strange way to end. No cliffhanger, no match. Um, just Hogan posing in the middle of the ring. So, that was, you know, took a little bit of the air out, but I think actually Raw and Nitro over the last few episodes episodes have had some strange cold endings in fact Austin cutting a promo outside the door of Bret Hart on Raw was probably a cold ending come to think of it as well so anyway that will do it for the two shows I think it's time we had a quick look at the ratings and then picked our own winner as always, during this time period, Nitro wins with a 3.7 to a 2.5. But interestingly, both shows went up a couple of um, basis points on the prior week. So wrestling heating up overall, I guess, would be the message there. We're not going to let the ratings determine who we consider the winner here, though. We're going to pick our own. I'm going to start with production value for this week and split this one right down the middle. It's a tie. There was no significant improvement from one show to the next when it comes to production. Um, Nitro is at its tippy top and Raw is probably hit rock bottom and on the way back up here. So it's not the well-oiled machine of the WWF versus, you know, Nitro. In, it, in its lower days prior and post the 83-week streak here. It's just both companies ticking along nicely. As far as storylines, I actually went with a tie on this one as well. I really struggled to pick the two shows in some categories this week. Um, Raw did a really good job of advancing Sid and Sean and keeping the Bulldog and Owen Hart in the mix and a really good job of advancing... Austin and Brett, as well as keeping the Undertaker Mankind feud ticking along as well. So pretty much everything they did had a purpose on Raw. But then over on WCW, you've got the Faces of Fear, um, and you've got, sorry, you've got the, I, I don't know why I said Faces of Fear then. <laughs> you've got Sting and the NWO storyline carrying on. You've got DDP and the Outsiders. You've got Hogan and Piper. And you've got the Cruiserweight title heating up, um, with lots of challenges coming around. So I think both shows did a really good job with their storyline advancement. As for characters, I probably lean towards Raw with this. Um, but then again, Mankind vs. Freddy Joe Floyd. No, I think I'm going to go with a tie on this one as well. I I'm really on the fence, and this is not like me. I'm normally really certain of which bits I preferred from both companies. But I think both of them had some talent that I didn't want to see and a lot of guys that I did want to see on the show. So I'm going to keep that one as a tie as well. The crowd, I think Nitro took the edge. Um, they were a hotter crowd, bigger crowd, um, more stuff making them pop throughout the night, even though the crowd did really pop well for the Undertaker stuff on Raw. And then finally, match quality. Both shows had good wrestling, but I'm going to go with Nitro for that Hoovy versus Miguel Perez, as well as the um, 
Rey Mysterio versus Cyclopean match. It was um, some really good cruiserweight action and what Nitro became known for during this period. So, overall, Nitro is a better show than Raw, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. I actually think both companies are starting to put on good shows here. Um, Nitro have been putting on good shows for a while and Raw is starting to sort itself out and we've done away with the goon and the TL hoppers of the world and we're getting a bit more of a serious push for people like Austin. Sid's really hot at the moment. Um, yeah, I think both shows are firing on, on all cylinders or near enough to and 96 heading into 97 is a really exciting time period. So that will do it for me. Survivor Series versus World War Three is coming up. Um, Richie and I are to get back together for the first time in a long time and talk about something a little bit different. And Duncan and I will be recording again sometime in the near future as well. So plenty of stuff to look forward to. And hopefully the heat will dissipate over here and I'll be able to get back in the recording studio. But in the meantime, I have been watching a lot of wrestling. So there should be lots of content coming up soon. Thanks, everyone. And enjoy the rest of your day. Talk soon.